If you're enjoying Send Me to Sleep, make sure that you've followed the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast player you use. Also, if you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All of this really helps the show reach new listeners. And you never know, your review may convince someone to listen and lead them to a good night's rest, which I hope you all agree is worth sharing. Thanks so much for your listenership and support. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the place to find a good night's rest. My name's Andrew. I'm here to calm your mind and help you relax into a peaceful night's sleep. I'm going to do that by reading you a story. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 19 to 21 of TikTok of Oz by L. Frank Baum. In the last chapter, Ruggedo was banished from the country forever. Tonight's story will be one of new kings, broken enchantments, and reunited brothers. First, let's make sure we're as comfortable as we can be and ready to fall asleep. If you haven't already, find a nice place to be as cosy as you can, in a chair, in your bed, or elsewhere. Rest your body in whatever way feels most relaxed, sitting up, laying down, eyes open or eyes closed. We all fall asleep in our own time and in our own way, so while you're on your path to sleep, all you need to do is follow the sound of my voice. And now, let your eyes fall heavy, and your breath soften, as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 19 King Calico After the king made good his escape, Files said to the dragon in a sad voice, Alas, why did you not come before? Because you were sleeping instead of conquering. The lovely rose princess has become a fiddle without a bow while poor Shaggy sits there a cooing dove. Don't worry, replied Quox. Tititi Hoochoo knows his business, and I had my orders from the great Jinjin himself. Bring the fiddle here and touch it lightly to my pink ribbon. Files obeyed, and at the moment of contact with the ribbon, the Gnome King's charm was broken, and the Rose Princess herself stood before them as sweet and smiling as ever. The dove, perched on the back of the throne, had seen and heard all of this, so without being told what to do, 
it flew straight to the dragon and alighted on the ribbon. Next instant, Shaggy was himself again, and Quox said to him grumblingly, Please get off my left toe, Shaggy man, and be more particular where you step. I beg your pardon, replied Shaggy, very glad to resume his natural form. Then he ran to lift the heavy diamond off of Tick-Tock's chest and to assist the clockwork man to his feet. Many thanks, said Tick-Tock. Where is the wicked king who wanted to melt me in a crucible? He is gone, and gone for good, answered Polychrome, who had managed to squeeze into the room beside the dragon, and had witnessed the occurrences with much interest. But I wonder where Betsy Bobbin and Hank could be, and if any harm has befallen them. We must search the cavern until we find them, declared Shaggy, but when he went to the door leading to the other caverns, he found it shut and barred. I've a pretty strong push in my forehead, said Quox, and I believe I can break down that door, even though it's made of solid gold. But you are a prisoner, and the chains that hold you are fastened in some other room, so that we cannot release you, Files said anxiously. Oh, never mind that, returned the dragon. I have remained a prisoner only because I wished to be one. And with this, he stepped forwards and burst the stout chains as easily as if they had been threads. But when he tried to push in the heavy metal door, even his mighty strength failed and after several attempts, he gave it up and squatted himself in a corner to think of a better way. I'll open the door, asserted Tick-Tock, and going to the king's big gong, he pounded upon it until the noise was almost deafening. Calico, in the next cavern, was wondering what had happened to Ruggedo, and if he had escaped the eggs and outwitted the dragon. But when he heard the sound of the gong, which had so often called him into the king's presence, he decided that Ruggedo had been victorious, so took away the bar, threw open the door, and entered the royal cavern. Great was his astonishment to find the king gone and the enchantments removed from the princess and Shaggy. But the eggs were also gone, and so Calico advanced to the dragon, whom he knew to be Tatiti Hoochoo's messenger, and bowed humbly before the beast. What is your will? he inquired. Where is Betsy? demanded the dragon. 
safe in my own private room, said Calico. Go and get her, commanded Quox. So Calico went to Betsy's room and gave three raps upon the door. The little girl had been asleep, but she heard the raps and opened the door. You may come out now, said Calico. The king has fled in disgrace, and your friends are asking for you. So Betsy and Hank returned with the royal chamberlain to the throne cavern, where she was received with great joy by her friends. They told her what had happened to Ruggedo, and she told them how Calico had been to her. Quox did not have much to say until the conversation was ended, but then he turned to Calico and asked, Do you suppose you could rule your gnomes better than Ruggedo has done? Me, stammered the Chamberlain, greatly surprised by the question. Well, I couldn't be a worse king, I'm sure. Would the gnomes obey you? inquired the dragon. Of course, said Calico. They like me better than ever they did Ruggedo. Then hereafter, you shall be the metal monarch, king of the gnomes, and Tititi Hoochoo expects you to rule your kingdom wisely and well, said Quox. Hooray, cried Betsy. I'm glad of that. King Calico, I salute your majesty and wish you joy in your gloomy old kingdom. We all wish him joy, said Polychrome, and then the others made haste to congratulate the new king. Will you release my dear brother? asked Shaggy. The ugly one, very willingly, replied Calico. I begged Ruggedo long ago to send him away, but he would not do so. I also offered to help your brother escape, but he would not go. He's so conscientious, said Shaggy, highly pleased. All of our family have noble natures. But is my dear brother well? he added anxiously. He eats and sleeps very steadily, replied the new king. I hope he doesn't work too hard, said Shaggy. He doesn't work at all. In fact, there is nothing he can do in these dominions as well as our gnomes, whose number are so great that it worries us to keep them all busy. So your brother has only to amuse himself. Why, it's more like visiting than being a prisoner, asserted Betsy. Not exactly, returned Calico. A prisoner cannot go where or when he pleases and is not his own master. Where is my brother now? 
inquired Shaggy. In the metal forest. Where is that? The metal forest is in the great domed cavern, the largest in all our dominions, replied Calico. It is almost like being out of doors. It is so big. And Ruggedo made the wonderful forest to amuse himself, as well as to tire out his hard-working gnomes. All the trees are gold and silver, and the ground is strewn with precious stones, so it's a sort of treasury. Let us go there at once and rescue my dear brother, pleaded Shaggy earnestly. Calico hesitated. I don't believe I can find the way, said he. Ruggedo made three secret passages to the metal forest, but he changes the location of these passages every week so that no one can get to the metal forest without his permission. However, if we look sharp, we may be able to discover one of these secret ways. That reminds me to ask what has become of Queen Anne and the officers of Oogaboo, said Files. I'm sure I can't say, replied Calico. Do you suppose Ruggedo destroyed them? Oh, no, I'm quite sure he didn't. They fell into the big pit in the passage, and we put the cover on to keep them there. But when the executioners went to look for them, they had all disappeared from the pit, and we could find no trace of them. That's funny, remarked Betsy thoughtfully. I don't believe Anne knew any magic, or she'd have worked it before, but to disappear like that seems like magic, now doesn't it? They agreed that it did, but no one could explain the mystery. However, said Shaggy, they are gone, that is certain, so we cannot help them or be helped by them. And the important thing just now is to rescue my dear brother from captivity. Why do they call him the ugly one? asked Betsy. I do not know, confessed Shaggy. I cannot remember his looks very well. It is so long since I've seen him but all of our family are noted for their handsome faces. Betsy laughed, and Shaggy seemed rather hurt, but Polychrome revealed his embarrassment by saying softly, One can be ugly in looks, but lovely in disposition. Our first task, said Shaggy, a little comforted by this remark, is to find one of those secret passages to the metal forest. True, agreed Calico. So I think I will assemble the chief gnomes of my kingdom in this throne room 
and tell them that I am their new king. Then I can ask them to assist us in searching for the secret passages. That's a good idea, said the dragon, who seemed to be getting quite sleepy again. Calico went to the big gong and pounded on it just as Ruggedo used to do. But no one answered the summons. Of course not, said he, jumping up from the throne where he had seated himself. That is my call, and I am still the royal chamberlain, and will be until I appoint another in my place. So he ran out of the room and found Guff and told him to answer the summons of the king's gong. Having returned to the royal cavern, Calico first pounded the gong and then sat in the throne, wearing Ruggedo's discarded ruby crown and holding in his hand the scepter which Ruggedo had so often thrown at him. When Guff entered, he was amazed. Better get out of that throne before old Ruggedo comes back, he said warningly. He isn't coming back, and I am now the king of the gnomes in his stead, announced Calico. All of which is quite true, asserted the dragon, and all of those who stood around the throne bowed respectfully to the new king. Seeing this, Guff also bowed, for he was glad to be rid of such hard a master as Ruggedo. Then Calico, in quite a kindly way, informed Guff that he was appointed the royal chamberlain, and promised not to throw the scepter at his head, unless he deserved it. All this being pleasantly arranged, the new chamberlain went away to tell the news to the other gnomes of the underground kingdom, every one of whom would be delighted with the changing kings. Chapter 20 Quox Quietly Quits When the chief gnomes assembled before their new king, they joyfully saluted him and promised to obey his commands. But when Calico questioned them, none knew the way to the metal forest, although all had assisted in its making. So the king instructed them to search carefully for one of the passages and to bring him the news as soon as they had found it. Meantime, Quox had managed to back out of the rocky corridor and so regained the open air and his old station on the mountainside. And there he lay upon the rocks, sound asleep until the next day. The others of the party were all given as good rooms as the caverns of the gnomes afforded, 
for King Calico felt that he was indebted to them for his promotion, and was anxious to be as hospitable as he could. Much wonderment had been caused by the absolute disappearance of the sixteen officers of Oogaboo and their queen. Not a gnome had seen them, nor were they discovered during the search for the passages leading to the metal forest. Perhaps no one was unhappy over their loss, but all were curious to know what had become of them. On the next day, when our friends went to visit the dragon, Quox said to them, I must now bid you goodbye, for my mission here is finished, and I must depart for the other side of the world, where I belong. Will you go through the tube again? asked Betsy. To be sure, but it will be a lonely trip this time, with no one to talk to, and I cannot invite any of you to go with me. Therefore, as soon as I slide into the hole, I shall go to sleep, and when I pop out at the other end, I will wake up at home. They thanked the dragon for befriending them, and wished him a pleasant journey. Also, they sent their thanks to the great Jinjin, whose just condemnation of Ruggedo had served their interests so well. Then Quox yawned and stretched himself and ambled over the tube, into which he slid head foremost and disappeared. They really felt as if they had lost a friend for the dragon had been both kind and sociable during their brief acquaintance with him, but they knew it was his duty to return to his own country. So they went back to the caverns to renew their search for the hidden passages that led to the forest. But for three days, all efforts to find them proved in vain. It was Polychrome's custom to go every day to the mountain and watch for her father, the rainbow, for she was growing tired with wandering upon the earth and longed to rejoin her sisters in their sky palaces. And on the third day, while she sat motionless upon the point of rock, whom should she see slyly creeping up the mountain, but Ruggedo. The former king looked very forlorn. His clothes were soiled and torn, and he had no sandals upon his feet or hat upon his head. Having left his crown and scepter behind when he fled, the old gnome no longer seemed kingly, but more like a beggar man. Several times had Ruggedo crept up to the mouth of the caverns, only to find the six eggs still on guard. He knew quite well that he must accept his fate and become a homeless wanderer, but his chief regret now 
was that he neglected to fill his pockets with gold and jewels. He was aware that a wanderer with wealth at his command would fare much better than one who was a pauper. So he still loitered around the caverns, wherein he knew so much treasure was stored, hoping for a chance to fill his pockets. That was how he came to recollect the metal forest. Aha, said he to himself, I alone know the way to that forest, and once there, I can fill my pockets with the finest jewels in the world. He glanced at his pockets and was grieved to find them so small. Perhaps they might be enlarged so that they would hold more. He knew of a poor woman who lived in a cottage at the foot of the mountain, so he went to her and begged her to sew pockets all over his robe, paying her with the gift of a diamond ring which she had worn upon his finger. The woman was delighted to possess so valuable a ring, and she sewed as many pockets on Regedo's robe as she possibly could. Then he returned up the mountain, and, after gazing cautiously around to make sure he was not observed, he touched a spring in a rock, and it swung slowly backwards disclosing a broad passageway. This he entered, swinging the rock in place behind him. However, Regedo had failed to look as carefully as he might have done, for Polychrome was seated only a little distance off, and her clear eyes marked exactly the manner in which Regedo had released the hidden spring. So she rose and hurried into the cavern, where she told Calico and her friends of her discovery. I have no doubt that that is a way to the metal forest, exclaimed Shaggy. Come, let us follow Regedo at once and rescue my poor brother. They agreed to this, and Calico called together a band of gnomes to assist them by carrying torches to light their way. The metal forest has a brilliant light of its own, said he, but the passage across the valley is likely to be dark. Polychrome easily found the rock and touched the spring so in less than an hour after Regedo had entered, they were all in the passage and following swiftly after the former king. He means to rob the forest, I'm sure of it, said Calico, but he will find he is no longer of any account in this kingdom, and I will have my gnomes throw him out. Then please throw him as hard as you can, said Betsy, for he deserves it. I don't mind an honest, out-and-out enemy 
who fight square, but changing girls into fiddles and ordering them put into slimy caves is mean and tricky, and Ruggedo doesn't deserve any sympathy. But you'll have to let him take as much treasure as he can get in his pockets, Calico. Yes, the Jinjin said so, but we won't miss it much. There is more treasure in the metal forest than a million gnomes could carry in their pockets. It was not so difficult to walk through this passage, especially when the torches lighted the way, so they made good progress. But it proved to be a long distance, and Betty had tired herself with walking and was seated upon the back of the mule when the passage made a sharp turn, and a wonderful and glorious light burst upon them. The next moment they were all standing upon the edge of the marvellous metal forest. It lay under another mountain, and occupied a great domed cavern, the roof of which was higher than a church steeple. In this space, the industrious gnomes had built, during many years of labour, the most beautiful forest in the world. The tree trunks, branches and leaves were all of solid gold, while the bushes and underbrush were formed of filigree silver, virgin pure. The trees towered as high as natural living oaks do, and were of exquisite workmanship. On the ground were thickly strewn precious gems of every hue and size, while here and there among the trees were paths pebbled with cut diamonds of the clearest water. Taken altogether, more treasure was gathered in this metal forest than is contained in all the rest of the world, if we accept that the land of Oz, where perhaps its value is equalled in the famous Emerald City. Our friends were so amazed at the sight of that for a while, they stood gazing in silent wonder. Then Shaggy exclaimed, My brother, my dear lost brother, is he indeed a prisoner in this place? Yes, replied Calico, the ugly one has been here for two or three years, to my positive knowledge. But what could he find to eat? inquired Betsy. It's an awfully swell place to live in, but one can't breakfast on rubies and diamonds, or even gold. One doesn't need to, my dear, Calico assured her. The metal forest does not fill all of this great cavern by any means. Beyond these gold and silver trees are other trees of the real sort which bear foods very nice to eat. Let us walk in that direction, 
for I'm quite sure we'll find Shaggy's brother in that part of the cavern, rather than in this. So they began to tramp over the diamond pebbled paths, and at every step they were more and more bewildered by the wondrous beauty of the golden trees with their glittering foliage. Suddenly they heard a scream. Jewels scattered in every direction as someone hidden among the bushes scampered away before them. Then a loud voice cried, Halt! And there was the sound of a struggle. Chapter 21 A Bashful Brother With fast beating hearts, they all rushed forward and, beyond a group of stately metal trees, came full upon a most astonishing scene. There was Regedo in the hands of the officers of Ugaboo, a dozen of whom were clinging to the old gnome and holding him fast in spite of his efforts to escape. There also was Queen Anne, looking grimly upon the scene of strife, but when she observed her former companions approaching, she turned away in a shamefaced manner. For Anne and her officers were indeed a sight to behold. Her Majesty's clothing, once so rich and gorgeous, was now worn and torn into shreds by her long crawl through the tunnel, which, by the way, had led her directly into the metal forest. It was, indeed, one of the three secret passages, and by far the most difficult of the three. Anne had not only torn her pretty skirt and jacket, but her crown had become bent and battered, and even her shoes were so cut and slashed that they were ready to fall from her feet. The officers had fared somewhat worse than their leader, for holes were worn in the knees of their trousers, while sharp points of rock in the roof and sides of the tunnel had made rags of every inch of their once brilliant uniforms. A more tattered and woeful army never came out of a battle than these harmless victims of a rocky passage. But it had seemed their only means of escape from the cruel gnome, so they had crawled on, regardless of their sufferings. When they reached the metal forest, their eyes beheld more plunder than they had ever dreamed of, yet they were prisoners in this huge dome and could not escape with the riches heaped about them. Perhaps a more unhappy and homesick lot of conquerors never existed than this band from Ugaboo. After several days of wandering in their marvellous prison, they were frightened by the discovery that Regedo had come among them. Rendered desperate by their sad condition, 
The officers exhibited courage for the first time since they'd left home, and, ignorant of the fact that Ruggedo was no longer king of the gnomes, they threw themselves upon him and had just succeeded in capturing him when their fellow adventurers reached the spot. Goodness gracious, cried Betsy, what has happened to you all? Anne came forward to greet them, sorrowful and indignant. We were obliged to escape from the pit through a small tunnel, which was lined with sharp and jagged rocks, she said. And not only was our clothing torn to rags, but our flesh is so bruised and sore that we are stiff and lame in every joint. To add to our troubles, we find we are still prisoners. But now that we have succeeded in capturing the wicked metal monarch, we shall force him to grant us our liberty. Ruggedo is no longer metal monarch or king of the gnomes, Files informed her. He has been deposed and cast out of his kingdom by Quox. But here is the new king, whose name is Calico, and I am pleased to assure your majesty that he is our friend. Glad to meet your majesty, I'm sure, said Calico, bowing as courteously as if the queen still wore a splendid raiment. The officers, having heard this explanation, now set Ruggedo free, but, as he had no place to go, he stood by and faced his former servant, who was now king in his place, in a humble and pleading manner. What are you doing here? asked Calico. Why, I was promised as much treasure as I could carry in my pockets, replied Ruggedo. So I came here to get it, not wishing to disturb your majesty. You were commanded to leave the country of the gnomes forever, declared Calico. I know, and I'll go as soon as I've filled my pockets, said Ruggedo meekly. Then fill them and be gone, returned the king. Ruggedo obeyed. Stooping down, he began gathering up jewels by the handful and stuffing them into his many pockets. They were heavy things, these diamonds and rubies and emeralds and amethysts and the like. So before long, Ruggedo was staggering with the weight he bore, while the pockets were not yet filled. When he could no longer stoop over without falling, Betsy and Polychrome and the Rose Princess came to his assistance, picking up the finest gems and tucking them into his pockets. At last, these were all filled, and Ruggedo presented a comical sight, for surely no man ever before had so many pockets or any at all, 
filled with such a choice selection of precious stones. He neglected to thank the young ladies for their kindness, but gave them a surly nod of farewell, and staggered down the path by the way he came. They let him depart in silence, for with all he had taken, the masses of jewels upon the ground seemed scarcely to have been disturbed, so numerous were they. Also, they hoped they had seen the last of the degraded king. I'm awfully glad he's gone, said Betsy, sighing deeply. If he doesn't get reckless and spend his wealth foolishly, he's got enough to start a bank when he gets to Oklahoma. My brother, my dear brother, where is he? inquired Shaggy anxiously. Have you seen him, Queen Anne? What does your brother look like? asked the Queen. Shaggy hesitated to reply, but Betsy said, He's called the Ugly One. Perhaps you'll know him by that. The only person we've seen in this cavern, said Anne, has run away from us whenever we approached him. He hides over yonder, among the trees that are not gold, and we have never been able to catch sight of his face so I cannot tell whether he is ugly or not. That must be my dear brother, exclaimed Shaggy. Yes, it must be, assented Calico. No one else inhabits this splendid dome, so there can be no mistake. But why does he hide among those green trees, instead of enjoying all these glittery gold ones? asked Betsy. Because he finds food among the natural trees, replied Calico. And I remember that he has built a little house there to sleep in. As for these glittery gold trees, I will admit that they are very pretty at first sight. One cannot fail to admire them as well as the rich jewels scattered beneath them. But if one has to look at them always, they become pretty tame. I believe that is true, declared Shaggy. My dear brother is very wise to prefer real trees to the imitation ones. But come, let us go there and find him. Shaggy started for the green grove at once, and the others followed him, being curious to witness the final rescue of his long-sought, long-lost brother. Not far from the edge of the grove, they came upon a small hut, cleverly made of twigs and golden branches woven together. As they approached the place, they caught a glimpse of a form that darted into the hut and slammed the door tight shut after him. Shaggy Man ran to the door and cried aloud, Brother, brother! Who calls? 
demanded a sad, hollow voice from within. It is Shaggy, your own loving brother, who has been searching for you a long time and has now come to rescue you. Too late, replied the gloomy voice. No one can rescue me now. Oh, but you are mistaken about that, said Shaggy. There is a new king of gnomes named Calico in Regedo's palace, and he has promised you shall go free. Free? I dare not go free, said the ugly one in a voice of despair. Why not, brother? asked Shaggy anxiously. Do you know what they've done to me? came the answer through the closed door. No, tell me, brother, what have they done? When Regado first captured me, I was very handsome. Don't you remember, Shaggy? Not very well, brother. You were so young when I left home. But I remember that mother thought you were beautiful. She was right. I'm sure she was right, wailed the prisoner. But Regedo wanted to injure me, to make me ugly in the eyes of all of the world. So he performed a wicked enchantment. I went to bed beautiful, or you might say handsome. To be very modest, I will merely claim that I was good looking. And I wakened the next morning, the homeliest man in all the world. I am so repulsive that when I look in the mirror, I frighten myself. My poor brother, said Shaggy softly, and all the others were silent from sympathy. I was so ashamed of my looks, continued the voice of Shaggy's brother, that I tried to hide, but the cruel King Regedo forced me to appear before all the legion of gnomes, to whom he said, Behold the ugly one. But when the gnomes saw my face, they all fell to laughing and jeering, which prevented them from working at their tasks. Seeing this, Regedo became angry and pushed me into a tunnel, closing the rock entrance so that I could not get out. I followed the length of the tunnel until I reached this huge dome where the marvellous metal forest stands, and here I have remained ever since. Poor brother, repeated Shaggy, but I beg you now to come forth and face us, who are your friends. None here will laugh or jeer, however unhandsome you may be. No, indeed, they all added pleadingly. But the ugly one refused the invitation. I cannot, said he. Indeed, I cannot face strangers, ugly as I am. Shaggy Man turned to the group surrounding him. What shall I do? 
he asked in sorrowful tones. I cannot leave my dear brother here, and he refuses to come out of that house to face us. I'll tell you, replied Betsy. Let him put on a mask. The very idea I was seeking, exclaimed Shaggy joyfully, and then he called out, Brother, put a mask over your face, and then none of us can see what your features are like. I have no mask, answered the ugly one. Look here, said Betsy, he can use my handkerchief. Shaggy looked at the little square of cloth and shook his head. It isn't big enough, he objected. I'm sure it isn't big enough to hide a man's face, but he can use mine. Saying this, he took from his pocket his own handkerchief and went to the door of the hut. Here, my brother, he called. Take this handkerchief and make a mask of it. I will also pass my knife so that you may cut holes for the eyes and then you must tie it over your face. The door slowly opened, just far enough for the ugly one to thrust out his hand and take the handkerchief and the knife, then it closed again. Don't forget a hole for your nose, cried Betsy. You must breathe, you know. For a time there was silence. Queen Anne and her army sat down upon the ground to rest. Betsy sat on Hank's back. Polychrome danced lightly up and down the jeweled paths, while Files and the princess wandered through the groves arm in arm. Tick-Tock, who never tired, stood motionless. By and by, a noise sounded from within the hut. Are you ready? asked Shaggy. Yes, brother, came the reply, and the door was thrown open to allow the ugly one to step forth. Betsy might have laughed aloud had she not remembered how sensitive to ridicule Shaggy's brother was, for the handkerchief with which he had masked his features was a red one covered with white polka dots. In this two holes had been cut, in front of his eyes, while two smaller ones before his nostrils allowed the man to breathe freely. The cloth was then tightly drawn over the ugly one's face and knotted at the back of his neck. He was dressed in clothes that had once been good, but now were sadly worn and frayed. His silk stockings had holes in them, and his shoes were stub-toed and needed blackening. But what can you expect? whispered Betsy, when the poor man has been a prisoner for so many years. Shaggy had darted forward and embraced his newly found brother with both arms. The brother also embraced Shaggy, who then led him forward 
and introduced him to all the assembled company. This is the new Gnome King, he said when he came to Calico. He is our friend and has granted you your freedom. That is a kindly deed, replied Ugly in a sad voice, but I dread to go back to the world in this direful condition. Unless I remain forever masked, my dreadful face would curdle all the milk and stop all the clocks. Can't the enchantment be broken in some way? inquired Betsy. Shaggy looked anxiously at Calico, who shook his head. I'm sure I can't break the enchantment, he said. Ruggedo was fond of magic and learned a good many enchantments that we gnomes know nothing of. Perhaps Ruggedo himself might break his own enchantment, suggested Anne. But unfortunately, we have allowed the old king to escape. Never mind, my dear brother, said Shaggy consolingly. I'm very happy to have found you again, although I may never see your face. So let us make the most of this joyful reunion. The ugly one was affected to tears by this tender speech and the tears began to wet the red handkerchief, so Shaggy gently wiped them away with his coat sleeve. <laughs>